0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Technical Talk. The first round of the NBA playoffs are moving incredibly fast and with two games completed in each matchup in the Eastern Conference, I figured why not do a catch-up episode in case you're out of the loop. We'll talk Sixers and Nets in this episode and over the next three we'll cover the rest of the Eastern Conference series. With that being said, let's get you to the intro. Thanks for listening. There's no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Nobody will ever be Jordan, okay? Okay, LeBron's a better rebounder and passer. Will you let me finish? Can you, can you let me finish? Call me when LeBron has six championships. That's your only argument. It's the only argument I need, Sean. All right, let's jump right back into the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets series. The 76ers currently lead the series two games to nothing. And in game one, uh, the Nets really couldn't rebound the basketball defensively. On paper, over the course of the game, they're only out rebounded by Philadelphia thirty eight to thirty-five, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when we look at the advanced stats, they'll give you a much better idea of just how massive like this gap really was and how it played such an important factor. In the game, the seventy six or second chance points generated off of rebounds when compared to the Nets was twenty one to three. Something that comes back to bite you when you also pair it with the fact that the Nets were turning the ball over a good amount, as the 76ers had a 31-11 to points-off turnovers advantage. The Nets on the season didn't really rebound well as a whole, if you recall. They came into the playoffs and ranked 29th out of the 30 NBA teams in rebounds per game, only getting about 40.5 with a 69.8 defensive rebound percentage. One more thing, just to really drive home my point, the rebounding wasn't even done by Joel Embiid, as he only ended the game with five rebounds. Keep in mind, he finished ranked 10th in the NBA in rebounds per game. And last time I checked, basketball is a five on five sport. Uh, and if you can limit a player solo like that in rebounds that play such a huge role, you have to have the. N- <laughs> the ability, I was about to say the knowledge, excuse me, but you have to have the ability to finish the job and get the rebounds over the smaller players and over the less dominant players, and they just didn't do that in Game 1. The Nets also surprisingly kept up with Philadelphia, uh, primarily through the work of McCall Bridges. Uh, In Game 1, McCall Bridges ended the first half with 23 points on 10 of 18 shooting from the floor which is why they were only down 9 at halftime, uh, which is a lot closer than all of us really could anticipate. But that wouldn't translate into the second half, as he would end the game with just 7 more points, and nobody else really came to his aid in a way that he needed. The 76ers also (laughs) just went crazy from behind the 3-point arc. Uh, Their offense really as a whole was a spectacle in Game 1, as they set their franchise record for threes in a playoff game series. They knocked down 21 of them. They got so many threes due to the doubles that occurred for the Nets while guarding Joel Embiid that just really allowed players outside the arc to flourish um, and be wide open most times. A look at the 76ers' assist p- percentage will support that argument. Um, as 76.2% of their total offense of the game came off of assists, they got hot from the jump, and they didn't miss, something that the Nets truly... Couldn't have and can't have if they have a hope of winning a game in this series. Just for the record, the 76ers did end the season number one in three point percentage at 38.7 percent. Uh, and they have a record of 27 and 7 when making more than 10 threes a game this season. Excuse me, 14. Limiting James Harden and Joel Embiid, um, was also a factor in game one. I understand at a fundamental level, the doubling of Joel Embiid overall and how it is a necessity. Because the guy simply has been unstoppable when he plays the Nets. He averages 31.5 points per game, 11.5 rebounds a game, and just two games out of four that they played against each other during the regular season. This leaves James Harden to be dealt with, who can score, and I've called for him to score in these playoffs, Um, As I believe the 76ers cannot win unless he can show shades of James Harden of old and not just facilitate, Uh, he did that in game one as he hit seven three-point shots uh, out of 13 attempted and contributed 23 points in addition to 13 assists. And when James performs like this, it's a formula success. As the Philadelphia 76ers were 19 and 9 in the regular season when James Harden met or passed his 21 point per game average, uh, on top of their 26 and 11 record when Harden surpassed 10 assists. Uh, the 76ers went on to beat the Nets in Game One, 121 to 101. Game two would see a lot less scoring than Game One saw, and that was surprising as Brooklyn started hot from the floor uh they came out offensively focused in game two and they were really able to keep pace with the 76ers through the first quarter as they powered their way to a i believe 49 to 44 first half lead um, over philadelphia primarily because cam johnson had himself a half he put in 22 points on 69.2 percent from the floor and 57.1 percent from behind the arc He even got a highlight poster on Joel Embiid in the second quarter. And, you know, for a moment, it looked like the Nets might be able to steal a game from the 76ers. Uh, But again, the force offensively would die down entering the second half as he would only end the game with 28 points. And he only went one of four from deep and two of six from the floor. The rebounding battle for Brooklyn actually turned a corner, or so it looked like, in game two. Uh, They were not out-hustled as bad this time around. They only lost the rebounding battle by six in the first half, but as always, Philadelphia found a way once again, and uh, they would begin to take control in that department, which resulted in second-chance opportunities and open shots that the Nets just couldn't afford to give up. The Nets did a good job of containing Joel Embiid, but it was Tyrese Maxey this time. Uh, They've done a great job holding him under his... Scoring title average this season of 33.1 points per game, holding him to only 20 this game. But when you give Tyrese Maxey room to get hot, like they did in game two, you're going to pay for it. He put in 33 points in game two, 56.7% from the floor, and 46.2% on six of 13 from three. Embiid had an impact, though, and he grabbed 19 total rebounds and dished out seven assists and three blocks, and he really, really made a case for that MVP trophy um, as he helped his team truly in every facet and every way possible. You know, looking forward for these two teams going into Game 3 uh, that's on Thursday night, the April 20th, I struggle to find a surefire way that the Nets can really win the game if they're to keep their hopes alive in the series especially if they're going to continue to double Joel Embiid on every single possession. I get that he can erupt for 40 or 50 if you let him, and he can get hot, but moving this series to Brooklyn isn't enough to push them over the edge, as they honestly are just in an extreme disadvantage in both the talent and depth departments, and it's not a knock on McCall Bridges or Cam Johnson as I've seen flashes of their potential as a wing duo but without a point guard that can really distribute the way that they're going to need to fight, in, they just have to fight extremely hard to find and get to their spots and get more comfortable shots. Going back to Embiid, though, in his matchups against various Nets players, I think Jacques Vano have to have Royce O'Neal do a little bit more of the defensive work as he did in Game 2 because he made it a little tougher on Embiid, uh, both in the eye test and uh the matchup stats. The matchup stats in game two between Claxton and O'Neill, the primary defenders on Joel Embiid in game two, Claxton allowed six points to Embiid and O'Neal also allowed six points, despite <laughs> Royce O'Neal only giving up, I don't know, eighty pounds in the weight department on Embiid, while Claxton only about thirty, I think. Uh Claxton allowed seventy-five percent uh field goal percentage to Joel Embiid and O'Neal only allowed a forty percent field goal percentage and in the last thing that I'll cover, the forced turnovers department, Claxton only forced three turnovers while he allowed three assists, a one-to-one ratio, while O'Neal allowed two assists and forced four turnovers. If the Nets can somehow, way, manage to up their performance defensively and on the glass in Game 3, they might find themselves in a winning situation as the series shifts over for the next two games in Brooklyn. And, you know, one win can give them morale. And I don't doubt that they can get that one win or that they will. Um, But, you know, (laughs) it's just it's highly unlikely, uh, to be completely honest, that they that they really had and maintain a chance uh, in the series. As for Philadelphia, you know, just keep it consistent. Uh, While you're not going to hit 21 three-pointers a game, every game for as long as the series goes on, as long as the playoffs go on, You know, you have a real dependable third option in Tyrese Maxey, as we saw in Game 2. And for Philly, if you feed the hot hand and don't commit as many turnovers, uh, for record they had 19 in Game 2 compared to just 8 in Game 1, you'll have an easier time putting the Nets to bed. And I believe that you should get them out of there in five games, if completely necessary, while four really should be the thing that you're thinking about. But we'll see. Uh, Game three should be an exciting one. I know games one and two were very, very exciting uh, overall. And, you know, with the playoffs, you just never can predict these types of things. As we come to the end of another episode of Technical Talk, I just wanted to take a moment to again thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Um, It means a lot to me, and I really, really cannot uh, overstate how much I appreciate all of the support, um, all of the encouragement and all of the feedback. This is what I really enjoy doing. And, you know, having the feedback allows me to tweak the podcast and just make it better. Because after all, I, I don't just do this for my enjoyment and pleasure. I do it for you guys as well. And I do it for just the love of basketball and the game as a whole. This is the best time of basketball Uh, playoff time as every game truly does count and every stat counts. So, I mean, I'm just having a blast, but thank you guys again for listening to another episode of technical talk. Have a great day. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, enjoy the playoffs and I'll see you in the next one. Enjoy.